So if you're new here, uh, we've been going through this, this thing. So I don't want to confuse you. I do this little hand motions and everything because we're basically trying to take the Old Testament and just learn the basics. Because for a lot of us, this book is really intimidating. And sometimes when people talk, start talking fast about it, we feel ignorant. And that's okay. All right. But, but we don't want to stay ignorant if we don't have to be. So I'm just giving you the basics, the foundation, the fundamentals. Um, the way the Old Testament works, it starts with creation. It actually explains how we got here, creation. And then there's this really dramatic fall where man no longer could be in community with God. In creation, when Adam and Eve were made, created, they were made to be in communion with God, and then they fell in their separation. It's the saddest day in all the Bible. Lots of bad things happen in the Bible. That's a sad day. There's this flood we talked about with Noah. There's nations, the Tower of Babel. There's... Number one, uh, Abraham, and number two, Isaac, and number three, Jacob, had a boy named Joseph. We talked about them a little bit. He had 12 boys, 12 tribes. They eventually went into captivity into, by, who, were they, who were they made slaves by? Egyptians. Very good. And there was a pharaoh there, and, and eventually after 430 years of slavery, um, who came to rescue to be the savior to the Jews? Anybody know? Moses, and Moses said to the Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh said, no, thank you. And then there was this Passover feast, which we spent some time on, and, and they were led out into the wilderness where Moses got the law, remember that? And then, then last week, we, we flew through like hundreds of years of history because we get to this book called Joshua and Judges. Again, if you're 12 and you're male, they're going to be your favorite books of the Bible, all right, because, I mean taking names. They just invade places. And anyway, I, I can't get too excited about it. But, but, but then we come to six books about kings. And, and the kings start with a king named Saul. And then there's this king named David, who is the greatest king of Israel to date. There's a better one coming. But, but the, the greatest king of Israel is named David. And he had a boy named Solomon. And Solomon was wise, the wisest man on the face of the earth. And he made some bank. I mean, I mean, Solomon was rich beyond compare. And the early parts of his leadership were like, it would be like the best president that's ever been here in, in our country. That's Solomon. But later in his leadership, he started to tail off. He started to fall into sin. And the whole nation paid the price for bad leadership. All right? And so, so very quickly... Much like the United States struggled with, 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 with a good president, Abraham Lincoln, the nation was divided. And there were two new kings. There's Rehoboam and Jeroboam. I don't know how they, they weren't brothers or cousins. I don't know how they got their names. But Rehoboam was the king of the, north, uh, of the southern kingdom. So it ought to be like this. Rehoboam, Rehoboam was the king of the southern kingdom, and Jeroboam was the king of the northern kingdom. And, and if you're from the south, you're going to love this because... The northern kingdom was always bad <laughs> for, for their whole history from after Solomon. They always had bad leadership, and they always were worshiping other gods other than Yahweh. The southern kingdom, on the other hand, was mostly bad, okay? So most of their leaders worshiped other gods, but there were six, six that actually would, would destroy all the idols, and they would refocus the people on the God of Israel. And so you have these two lines. And in the course of all that history, all right, we're getting, by the end of the kings, we're getting really close to Jesus coming on the scene. Right? Came on Christmas just two weeks away. God would send prophets 
and prophets would come in, and much like we say we have good news, prophets would come in with bad news. And they would go to the kings, and they would tell the king the truth. A lot of times the king didn't want to hear it. And so guess what happened to the prophets? We got killed. So that's where we pick up our story today. We're picking up our story uh, about a guy named uh, Elijah. I named a son after him. He is a stud. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Elijah is if all the Old Testament characters, I'm like, that's my boy. Elijah is my boy. I like, I like Elijah. But let, let me explain something to you. You're, we're reading from 1 Kings today, which I'm going to tell you, some of these books that we've flown through are difficult to read. But let me explain something to you about reading this book, because that's what this is all about. You don't have one, grab one on the way out there. Yours are free. Reading this book will change you. And you're like, well, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Reading the message board about who the new coach of the Gamecocks is, right, <laughs> that gets some of y'all, like, jacked. I like to listen to it on the radio because it's just entertaining, right? It's just entertaining, but it's just really shallow. It gets your attention, and it holds your attention, but it's really shallow because it's, it's only in 3D, right? And in some senses, reading is kind of only in 2D. It's not, you can't even see the coach unless you're watching TV. So as, as all this stuff captures our attention, being on Facebook and reading people's lives, which I don't really get, it's depressing as heck. I always get off Facebook and say, man, I need to go to bed. I'm tired. That's depressing because... <laughs> Oh, a bunch of people saying something they aren't, and they think they're great. And these other people are telling you how bad it is. I'm like, there ain't nothing like normal in here. Anyway, uh, get on my rant. Uh, but when you read this, there's a fourth dimension. It's not just 3D. It's 4D. And the problem, like, like the way that, why this thing is often boring, is because we read it like this. We read it like we're trying to figure it out. We read it like we're in control and in the center and this book should orbit around us. And we tell it what we want it to say to us. And a lot of times we put on those glasses like, I need it to speak to me today. Instead of, and we do this all the time, if you're new here, we do this all the time. Instead of putting ourselves under it, let me just tell you, when you read it sometimes and you're under it, um, it's exciting in a painful kind of way, Right? The game last night was exciting in a painful kind of way a lot of times. But we were locked. We weren't going to turn it off. But, but this thing in a fourth dimension, not just 3D like a ball game on TV, that's boring compared to this. Because that ball game is only going to last, even if you win it all, you're only going to be a chance for one year. Even if I'm great my whole life, I'm only going to be great for how long? This, we're talking about eternity here. So when I read about this guy, Elijah, if I believe that this thing has a supernatural power to it, then I put myself under the story and I listen to it. So this guy, Elijah, comes on the scene during the northern kingdom's king. His name was Ahab. He was wicked. All the northern kingdom, he, he was one of the most wicked. Not the most, but most wicked. And he had a wife named Jezebel. So just if you've ever heard that phrase, that's like a nice way to use a cuss word when you call a woman a Jezebel, right? I mean, that's a nice way to say something that's horrible. We call him a Jezebel because she was wicked, and the two of them ruled together. And they were the rulers of the northern kingdom. And God sent a prophet. His name was Elijah. 
So if we had a Mount Rushmore for the Hebrews, you know, we, is it, see, who's on Mount Rushmore for us? It's, it's Jefferson, Lincoln, Washington, Roosevelt, right? All right, that's, a, that's our Rush, Mount Rushmore. If you were going to do one for the Jews, just so you know, so you're not ignorant, Jesus ain't going to make it. You know why? Because they rejected him as the Messiah. So he can't make it because they don't believe in him. He was just a dude. So, so, so there we go. Who do you think is going to be on there, Mount Rushmore? Number one. Who's number one? There you go. Abraham. Abraham. Somebody said Clemson. I mean, but I said, I said who's number one? Abraham. Who's number two? Not Isaac in this case. Who, who else will be up there? Say it. Moses. All right. We got Moses. Moses will be up there. Uh, who do you think else could be up there? Maybe last week's message. David. King David. And this week, Elijah. If you were going to ask a little Hebrew boy, like, who are the baddest of the bad? It'd be those four guys. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about Elijah. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18. And I mean, this joker gets it on. He comes into Ahab's office. You imagine going over to Vladimir Putin's office. I, I just love that saying that name because I don't know how you're supposed to say it. And, and just saying, all right, bro, it ain't going to rain for a while. I'll let you know when it's going to rain again. I'll tell you what, all your tanks, they're just not going to work for a while. I'll let you know when you can crank them back up. That's what this guy does. He walks into Abraham's office. This is a rural world at this point. Everybody depends on the rain. They don't have like, like rainage. They don't have like sprinkler system out there they can go plug in or drain it from the lake. It, they completely depended on the rain from heaven. And so they go out, and it stops raining. Elijah goes and sits by a brook, and you can see as he just holds out for three and a half years, it doesn't rain. And then... God asked him to go back and speak to Ahab again. How would you feel about going into Vladimir after you've locked down all his, you know, he knows jujitsu and stuff. I've seen this on TV. How you, you want to go wrestle with Vladimir right now after you shut his whole world down for three and a half years? Elijah rolls back up and he says, I tell you what, Ahab, I want you to meet me up on a mountain. Bring all your people, all right? And we're going to have a little contest. It'll be like putting it in Death Valley. Let's just get out there in the middle of the field. And, and I'll take a bull and, and have all your prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah, have them take a bull, and, and we'll have a little contest, see who can do the best sacrifice. It's, you know, it's just like a typical music, uh, a, a magician who, who, who's trying, you, you almost feel like he's rigging this thing, and he is. He is rigging it. And so he gets all the prophets over here and all the people over here watching at a safe distance. And, and Ahab right there in the middle, their leader, and they have this contest because what Elijah wants them to see is who the real God is. It's like as if he would say, is the real, would the real God stand up? And so he says, all right, boys, this is what I love about Elijah. Elijah can talk smack with the best of them. You know, number two for the Tigers, when he's defending, he's all, he, got, he got a couple catches on him last night, which never happens. But, but he's always talking. He's always chirping. He's always got something to say. Elijah looks over at his boys, boys, 400, 450 prophets of Baal. They're circling this sacrifice, a bull that they're trying to burn. But, but Elijah left out like the punchline. He said, here's what I want you to do. You guys pray to your God and get him to burn up your sacrifice. And I'll pray to mine and get him to burn up mine. Let's have a little contest. Let's just see who the winner is. They start dancing and praying and doing this. Some of them are cutting their skin. They get more and more desperate. And I, I, it actually, I wrote it down. It's in verse 27, he says, you should shout louder. Right? You can hear him talking. He, he gotta have, Elijah's got to have a southern accent because smack comes out better than a southern accent. But anyway, 
Shout louder, baby. He can't, he can't hear you. Maybe, maybe he's in the bathroom. <laughs> Why don't you get his wife to go knock on the door and get him out? Because I ain't knocking on the door for you. And maybe he's asleep. Maybe you ought to text him, and maybe he, it'll buzz him real good, and he'll come out. That's not exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says, <laughs> you'll have to shout louder. <laughs> maybe he's daydreaming. This is NLT. Maybe he's relieving himself. Or, or maybe he's away on a trip or asleep or needs to be awakened. And, and, and it's almost as if it's Elijah is like Jeff Foxworth. He's making fun. He's laughing at the crowd. <laughs> like, come on. And the crowd's laughing. Elijah keeps going. They keep cutting. By the end of the day, these boys laying down like he's saying, this is not working. And their sacrifice stands there as it was. Dead but not burnt. And just, just like a good magician would do, Elijah does for effect, he, he takes his sacrifice and he digs a little trench around it, a large trench, and then he starts having guys bring in some water. This is too easy. You know how the cocky guy, easy. Come on, baby. And, and so they bring in the water. They bring in the fire truck and they fill up the trench and they cover it with water. And he's like, I guess this will have to do. And then he just prays. Not a lot of drama. He's been dramatic in his smack talk, but not a lot of drama and as you know the story, fire comes down from heaven, and, and, and the old school translation says it licked up all the water. All the water's gone. It disintegrates the rocks that are built. How hot has it got to be to wipe out the rocks? I'm, I'm sure Elijah's like, Lord, I'm thankful that you directed that thing. That could have burnt me. <laughs> he wiped that thing out. I got some hairs missing, Lord. He just wiped this thing out, and, and the sacrifice is gone. Yeah. And you can imagine what happens when God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, delivers what the people of Israel, how they react. They drop, drop to their knees, put their head on the ground. What if he sends more fire? <laughs> They're down. It's amazing when we see God for who he is, where we end up. So they drop to their knees, and then he says, seize the, the prophets of Baal, and so they do. People jump up, yeah, I'm for that God. That's the God I want to follow. And they grab the prophets of Baal, and it's a pretty gross violence. Oh, boy, Elijah, you going to play. This was a game to the death. It's always a, it's always interesting if, uh, you know, when somebody struggles and they uh, go the wrong direction, it's one thing. It's another thing when they take other people with them. You got to cut them off. You just got to cut them off. And that's, that's what we want to do here. You know, if you, you start going uh, a different way, then we pre, just go ahead and leave if you don't mind. Because we don't want you to drag us down. Now, we want to help. When you're just struggling, but when you start drawing other people into your crap, because you want them to experience the same as you, then... That's what kind of way our church won. We, we, we'd rather live without you. Like if you really like the gossip and that's your thing, then go somewhere else, right? Because we can't take you down the river and, you know, like what Elijah's about to do, he, he wipes them out. We don't want none of that. We don't want that. And he, he wipes them all out. It's destroying his nation. He's angry. He wipes it up, wipes them out. It's, it's gross. It's in there. You can read it. And then he, he does something interesting. He goes up. I'm going to read it to you. Ahab, uh, my bad, uh, chapter 18, uh, toward the end, verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink. This is funny. Now, God just wiped out a sacrifice. Who's in control now? 
Elijah's like, hey, man, run out of McDonald's, get something to eat. You're going to need some sustenance. Get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to get something to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face before his knees. And he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked out and returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah kept sending him back. You can imagine what the servant's thinking. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cry, uh, cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah shouted, hurry, go tell Ahab and tell him to climb into your chariot and go back home. And, or if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. In other words, you're going to get stuck, bro. If you don't hurry up and get that chariot heading back, you're going to get stuck in the mud. You're going to have to call somebody from Red Bank to get you out of the ditch. So <laughs> I've seen some of them winches out in the parking lot. I know you can get me out. Yeah, I need to put notes in my phone, know who to call. Uh, and soon the sky was black with clouds, and a heavy rain brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly from Jezreel, and the Lord gave sp special strength to Elijah. And says he ran along and he outran the chariots. It's this ridiculous story of a man who three and a half years ago prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. Three and a half years later, he prays that it would rain, and it poured. Changes the whole culture. What you think you've got in your pocket as a follower of Jesus? Right? What's in your pocket? You've got a relationship with a father who loves you and it's, wants to hear from you. And if you'll pray what he wants to do, when we learn to pray like he wants us to, all of a sudden as a follower of Jesus, i got this access that's it's, it's ridiculous really. It controls the rain. And then you're going to love this. You got to pick up verse 19. When Ahab got home, king, right? He gets back to the house. Let me just assure you, sometimes it does not matter what happens, folks won't believe. Remember, you could turn the Nile to blood. Pharaoh didn't believe. Ahab just saw fire come down from heaven, and he saw it pour when Elijah prayed. But Ahab got home. Guess what he told? He went and told Jezebel. Everything Elijah had done, including, I bet he was whining the whole time, crying like a little boy. Uh, you know what he did to my prophets? They just, they just killed him right down at the river. I had to watch the whole thing. <laughs> you go, what? And, and here's what happens. You don't want to make mama mad, right? Because So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel puts out on paper the threat that Elijah's dead in 24 hours. And watch what Elijah does. You, you know what he's going to do? He was afraid. <laughs> what? He's going to call down fire from heaven, right? And Jezebel's toast. That's what's about to go down. No, it says that he was afraid. And he fled for his life. He ran out of fear. weak it's too much God that's too much I don't want any more it's too much I can't keep doing this anybody relate yesterday we went out to uh, a farm and I don't know what the plan was but Joe's not here today I don't think 
Joe's here often. He's 29, and they had this. They challenged us to wrestle a bull. All right, I'm not kidding you. It's like 600, 700 pound bull, and so Joe got in there, and you know, got his tail handed to him, but he wrestled the bull, right? And Joe's 29. I am 48. But Joe, after surviving this ordeal, gets up and says, I bet you won't do it. I'm looking around. He said it in front of a bunch of people, too. <laughs> I said, I bet I will. I got in there, and I grabbed, I got my arm up under, the guy was coaching me, my arm up under this horn, it's got horns on it, boy, this joke's got horns on it, they weren't sharp, but there was horns on it, and I got, listen, the plan is to push the left side down and wrench this rascal, all right, and so, well, when they let that gate go, because he's tight in there, and you in there, and he's squishing up against you, I got, they let that gate go, I'm telling you, it is a ride, you ought to take it sometime, that joker stepped on me, he beat my butt so bad, I, I thought, man, I, I, I did like this, and, and he kind of turned just for a second, right? I'm like, well, yeah, Joe, get some of this, all right? And then something happened because I got drug all over the yard. I'm not smart enough to let go. And it's like when I ski, I don't let go whether I fall or not. I ain't letting go. All over the yard, eventually that joker stepped on the back of my thigh. I'm like, it's time. I'm done. I'm out. Cover up. I ain't scared. Stupid, but I ain't scared. Man, somebody call you weak, fellas. What you going to do? Joe called me out. He's like, you weak. I'm like, oh, all right, I got you. I got that bull. I'll do whatever you tell me. I mean, we get stupid when somebody calls us weak. And then I discovered how weak I was with 600 pounds. I just couldn't handle it. Hoss, you got to try this sometime, baby. I want to see that. I just, I just, I just want to see it go down. <laughs> uh. But the truth of the matter, no matter how strong you are, everybody in the room, when I say the word weak, you've been there, right? I certainly haven't. Some of y'all, when you first met Jesus, he planted a seed in the ground, and that joker started to grow, and the sun came up, and you withered away. Remember? It was kind of dramatic at the beginning, but when things got hard, you disappeared. Maybe you never knew him. It's okay, you're here today, man. Today would be a new day. Today would be a new day to repent and start over. Say, Father, I'm weak. I need you because you're strong. Some of y'all had dramatic change. I mean dramatic, where you used to be this guy, and now you're this guy, and you're so different. But back at the beginning of that relationship, it was fiery. It was, when you pick up the Bible, it was alive, and you want to speak to your coworkers about Jesus. But now... It's slowed at best, right? It's just slowed. Cheryl is uh, better at saying, and Cheryl every once in a while, I'm just, she'll go, I'm so weak. I mean, I, I feel it. I just don't say it. Like, baby, you can't say that, like, in public. Right? But, but everybody in the room feels that, right? If we were to do a Mount Rushmore of the New Testament, we'd go to Romans 7. we put Paul up on Mount Rushmore, and then he writes Romans 7. He says, I am so weak. He says that about himself because he can't stop sinning. He keeps sinning. So he repents and he says he's, he's weak. So much so, Elijah's wrestling with this. That 
Next verse says, then he went alone into the wilderness traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Lord, take my life. I stink. Take my life. I am so weak. I'm done. I'm checked out. Anybody been there? Now, he's smart enough not to take his own life because he's still in submission to God. But he's asking for the Lord to take it. Because he's so, this is the guy just a minute ago, he was in Death Valley, right? And the crowd was watching, and he called down fire from heaven, and then he prayed, and it rained. And now just a little bit later, not, not far down the line, he's so desperate because a woman has signed his death warrant. He's asking for God to take his life. Verse 5. Then he lay down to sleep under the broom tree. Broom tree was just a tree in the wilderness and it provided great shade. In the wilderness, you need shade. Uh, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside him, beside his head, was some, baked, some, some bread baked on some hot stones in a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank and he lay down again. Now, let me just say something. Sometimes when you're depressed, and sometimes it's significant and it's dangerous, and you got to tell somebody. Sometimes. You need a Snickers. I mean, that's, that's what you need. You need to go get one of them Snickers with, Snickers with uh, dramatic on it. I gave Cheryl one of those. She laughed. It was a good day to give it to her. But it was just a Snickers that says dramatic because, you know, when she's hungry, <laughs> this thing get a little crazy. We got to deal. Every time we talk about something important after 10 o'clock at night, what happens? We argue. You know why? Because we're old. We get tired after 10 o'clock. So we get more. She, we, we, she, she, we, 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 we get emotional. All right? We get emotional at that time of night. I said we like seven times, baby. Um, sometimes it's just physical. We got to handle it. You got to get some sleep. You got to change your schedule. You mean you're in the ditch because, because you're going too hard or you haven't eaten enough. And, and sometimes it's very physical. Sometimes it is so much more than that. Sometimes you ought to go see somebody to help you. And sometimes it's very spiritual. Um, verse 7. Angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be much too far for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. It's a pretty cool little, little uh, transition there. I think that some of us, when we read stuff about people in the Bible like this, we're like, if the Lord would show up and wake me up from a nap and, like, have some banana bread on some hot stones over there, I'd believe, baby. I'd do whatever he said. If he spoke to me, is he speaking to you right now? So are you going to do it? I mean, you just said you would. You were brave enough to come today. Is he speaking right now? You th is God speaking to you right well, Are you going to do what he said? You just kind of said you would. Elijah wakes up and he travels. Travels 40 days and 40 nights. So only 200 miles. Back in the day when you could walk, when people walked and then ride in cars, that could have been done in 14 days. Didn't need to take 40 days. It did. Took him 40 days. Probably was good for him. Anybody ever have to just walk out the front door and walk? <laughs> because you just need some quiet. Elijah did. He got in and he walked. He walked all the way to a place called Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, depending on what translation you read. Same mountain. 
Anybody remember somebody else that recently been at Mount Sinai? Moses. Remember when he got the law? Where was he on Mount Sinai? In the cleft of the rock. Can I remember that? We'll do a little math here. Moses, Mount Sinai, cleft of the rock. Elijah, Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, in the cave, in the cleft of the rock. There's another mountain that's about to come up. It's going to come up in the New Testament, and the king is going to be there. His name's Jesus, and he takes uh, Matthew, I mean Matthew, he t- always, always do that, James, John, Peter, takes them all up the hill, right? Who else shows up? Elijah and Moses. Let me tell you something. This whole book, from cover to cover, argues that God wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you. Read what it's about to say. Here's what he says. The Lord said to him, what are you doing here? I love that because I got sons. That's how we communicate. What are you doing here? A little sarcasm. What are you doing here? And Elijah has this classic reply, but I I need you to catch the idea that that God is like, he's saying to Elijah, what are you doing here? I'm still the same. Ain't nothing changed. I'm the same God that sent the fire down from heaven. I'm I'm that, that God. I'm still him. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Have you forgotten who I am? I'm the good father. I'm the good daddy who loves being here. I, I want to meet with you. Why are you here? <laughs> and Elijah, I can, he's been walking for 40 days. You can memorize something in 40 days. This feels like, like I can almost he- hear him quoting it out of his soul. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You could just hear him go at the end of his statement like, like that. Lord, you know who I am? Who's the world circling around right now for Elijah in his prayer? Himself. You know what I've done? You, you owe me, God. You know what I've done? God's got this amazing response that uh, moved me when I read it. Verse 11. Instead of like what he could have done, which is slap Elijah upside the head, says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. I need to tell you today, no matter where you are, God wants to meet with you. No matter what you've done, no matter how low you are or even how high you are, he wants to meet with you. He wants to show you who he is. He's about to do that in dramatic fashion. It says, i got to summarize it quickly, because this monster wind, it actually blows the rocks out of the mountains. That's pretty good wind. Elijah standing out there watching. Earthquake comes, shakes up everything. Fire comes, burns up stuff. Was God in any of that? Well, God controlled all that. It's certainly a moment to see how powerful God was. And it's almost as if Elijah retreats back in the cave after all the drama, and there's this still, small voice, says one of the translations. What's really cool about our boy Elijah is that he hears it, and he responds, and he walks to the front, and he wants to hear what God would say. And here's what God said. What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> it's class. God do that to you? It's like he just keeps on asking me the same question. Lord, give me a new question. All right, I got that. Remember when he did that with John in the New Testament? He just keeps on asking him, 
the same old question. Because until you understand what he's looking for in the question, he'll keep asking. Some of y'all keep on knuckleheaded, knocking your head against the wall because you hadn't answered the question yet. So he asks it to you again. You do the same thing, and Elijah's doing it as well. Here's his response. I got a feeling the tone changed. Remember, the first time he's kind of ticked off, and he, he might even be mumbling under his breath. Maybe your kids do this on occasion. But this time he's like, Lord, I've zealously served you my whole life. But the people of Israel have broken all the covenants with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You feel it? Have you prayed it? Hear me today. I mean, I don't have a lot to say. God wants to meet with you. Then his assumption is that after you see who he is in his fullness, like if you'll take the time, let's, let's just take a time out. What does that mean? You know what? I'm reading this. I'm, I'm going to tell you in front of all of you, I'm taking two hours twice this week to walk and pray. That's when I'm reading this, I got, I, got, I got to make that happen. Or my soul is going to go dry. So this week, for me, I was, I was reading, and I'm going, God wants to meet with, the God of the universe, wants, he's a good father, he wants to meet with me. Why do I keep running past the creator to get to work? Even for him. Francis Chan says something about, something, I thought that was something like that, that was shocked me when I heard it. And I'm like, so, so I'm going to be proactive right now in front of however many people here t- twice this week for two hours. I'm going to walk and pray because that's how it works for me. I don't know how it works for you. Maybe you don't do anything right now. Maybe you want to go pick up uh, my utmost for his highest and, and start reading it just on a daily grind. Maybe, maybe that works. Boy, if you've got a small group leader in here, they'll tell you. They'll give you an idea. Or you can ask one of them. We'll have counselors in the back. You can ask one of them what they do. But God wants to meet with you. And at the end, I love it, because this is kind of how I work with my boys. God listens to him again. He whines a little bit. Do you feel that? But Elijah, he's communicating with God, and God's just like, verse 15, all right, get back to work. <laughs> it's, it's, this is how we do it with the boys. I mean, girls, you got to be, you got to put your arm around and kind of say that a little differently. But with, with Elijah, he's like, I hear you, bro. I, I love you. I love you. I've seen what you've done. Just get back to work. We got stuff to do. I uh, rode bikes. About five years ago with my two youngest sons, JT and Malachi. And uh, we go on a bike ride. And JT, if you know J- JT, is like pedaling the wheels off this sucker. And he gets to the stop sign, but he don't know which way to go. But he got there really fast. Gets the stop sign. Me and Malachi just rolling behind him. And JT wait for us to get there. And I go, let's go right. And then JT fly to the next stop sign. And me and Malachi roll up behind him. We get to the next stop sign. Let's go left. And then he'd fly in about 10 stops. No, no lie. He would race to as far as he knew how to get. And then he had to wait for me. So he did it all alone. He did the whole ride alone. You know what baby boy did? He rode the whole ride with me. He enjoyed my, how could you not enjoy this presence, right? <laughs> and we talked. And we made progress. And we got stuff done. But you know who he was leaning on? Me. He was leaning on me, which made the ride a whole lot more fun. Now, JT still got it done. He got it done in record fashion, but he really wasn't that fast because every time he got to a stop sign, he had to wait. 
I feel JT's pain because I live that way a lot. I like to go fast. I want to go faster than everybody else. And sometimes I compete. We gave out ornaments last week. You're like, you told me to pray for one. I, I, I'm going to pray for ten. Give me an extra ornament. I got to get more done. But let me just say this. If you're not riding with the Father, ain't nobody want to come to church but you. If you're not meeting with him, why would they want to come to church with you? Just because you got a pretty ornament. And they want to come because you know how to be with the good father. We got some good fathers in here. Ask Mr. Stan back there at some point about his daughter Katie or Ryan. You might get a little, I mean, you know, he's going to tell you the truth, but you might get him choked up. Ask Mr. Brazzle over here about some of his youngins. You talk about the grandbabies, and you're really going to get him choked up. Because they're good fathers. They love meeting with their kids. That's the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible wants to meet with his children. There's this really cool passage in James I don't have time for. James chapter 5. This says that Elijah prayed and it rained. I'm like, that's pretty significant because he's on Mount Rushmore of all the Hebrews. Yeah, he did. But you know what it says in that passage? He said he was a man just like us. So we got the same access to the same God. The same God wants to have the same relationship with us. And because we have that relationship in our pocket, Red Bank is completely dependent on you to spend time with God and pray on their behalves. You are the priest for Red Bank. Nobody else other than the other believers here. We're the priest for Red Bank. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We pray for our community. We want to be lights to them. But, but right now, Lord, pray for everybody in the room that they would decide to spend some time with you this week. Lord, even some of them, just that they would confess where they've been, that they've been far from you. They'd go back and talk to a counselor right now and just say, I've been far from you, God. And they decide to read a devotional for five days this week or seven days. Lord, we want to take a new step. We don't want to run by you just to get our work done. Listen to us as we worship, Lord. We want, we want you to hear us say that you're great. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.